0: Good, that's good. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you. And we praise you that you are a God of peace. That even in that traditional Hebrew greeting of shalom, we say peace. We thank you, God, for Christ. We thank you for this time of Christmas. And we pray, Lord, that you would bless our hearts and fill us and speak to us in the way that we need to be spoken to uh, this morning. We pray, God, that you would dwell among us and that as we talk about peace, God, even as the snow falls outside, we would be thinking about how you take the dead and the gross nature and you cover it with the beautiful snow and you make it white and pure. And that is your desire for us as well, Lord, to cover us with that snow to make us pure. We thank you, God, for who you are and for what you do and for how unfair you are, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. As I said in my prayer, Shalom is actually a a Hebrew greeting, a Jewish greeting that just means peace with you. And um, this morning, we're in our second week of Advent, and we're talking about peace. Last week, we talked about joy, and Pastor Ed brought a message to you about what true joy is. And so this week, we find ourselves in our second week of Advent, which actually means in the Latin... The arriving, We're basically in the time of the arriving, the arriving of Jesus, this is a time where we as Christians slow down and choose to really think about the fact that Christ has come to earth, that Jesus, the Jesus of Easter is coming to earth. Because of the reality of it is, in our minds sometimes we compartmentalize Christmas and we compartmentalize Easter, but the reality of it is, this is the beginning of Easter, and I didn't say it wrong. This is the beginning of Easter because this is when Christ comes and this is when we celebrate this. This year we're talking about several gifts of, of Christmas that we receive and one of those gifts is peace. Now, I don't know about you, but when you go out and about in our world today, and especially at this time of year, the whole holiday season of Christmas is supposed to be peace on earth, goodwill towards man. And when the reality of it is, is you go out of the parking lot of your local shopping place or whatever, there's anything but peace. I remember a couple of years ago, I was new to Christ Church, and one of the things that really stood out to me when I first came to Christ Church was this whole passing of the peace thing. I did that. We didn't do that where I came from, but I thought it was really cool because everybody greeted one another, and it was this peace of the Lord, and, and so I kind of really, I really appreciated this. And I remember I was walking into a store, and outside of the store was the guy with the red kettle. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to walk up, and I'm going I'm to put something in that red kettle. This will be great. And as I'm getting closer, I notice that this man is engaged in a conversation with a woman who's demanding change at the kettle. I don't think she gets how it works. Those things are locked. He doesn't even have the key to it. But basically what's going on is there's this debate happening where this woman's trying to give to charity, but she didn't want to give that much to charity. And, and now the man's saying, I don't have the key for the thing. And they're getting this locked and heated debate with one another. And so finally she ends up getting her change and wanders off. And I look at the man, and I just, we just kind of laughed, and I, and I put some money in the thing, and I said, Hey, may the peace of the Lord be with you. And he went, Are you kidding me? He said, have you seen this place, peace on earth, goodwill towards man? No way. And he pointed out the fact that, you know, this is supposed to be a time where we are focused on peace, when we're supposed to slow down, when we're to remember the Christ child. But the reality of it is, as we, as of a culture, we have twisted it and turned it into something that really doesn't promote peace at all, does it? When you think about the holidays, you think about the times that you're about to spend with your families, and and a lot of us are excited about that, but there's a lot of us that think about crazy Uncle Eddie coming over, and we get nervous. We think about the bill that we're going to have on our credit cards after buying all the gifts. We think about the fact that this person bought us a gift, and I normally wouldn't have bought them a gift, but now because they bought me a gift, I'm obligated to buy them a gift, and I really don't want to spend the money on that gift. And so, what happens is, is our time of peace really becomes a time of chaos and becomes a time of just disturbances. I looked in the Webster Dictionary at the word peace and found that the word peace. The definition is very simple. A lot of us think that the definition of peace means that we don't have weapons in our hand and we're not attacking one another. But according to Webster's Dictionary, the word peace is simply this. It's the freedom from disturbances. That's it. Isn't that a great definition of peace? I found this definition out and I went and I talked to a whole bunch of people this week and I asked them about peace in their life. What is peace to you? And, and to a lot of people it was, oh we just want world peace and my son jokingly did the whole like world peace thing you know that the, the beauty queens will do and that's what peace is and we have that concept of peace that that's really not the concept of peace that we're talking about. I talked to some folks who were later in their stages of life and they, and they told me that what they really want when they think of peace, they think of having just unity in their families. They wished that they weren't fighting with their children or that they weren't fighting with their spouse. And so what peace meant to them was not having these quarrels and these squabbles in their family. And they actually said that for Christmas, they wanted peace more than anything in that capacity. And as I talk to people, I ask the question, do you feel like you have peace in your life? And a lot of these folks are very solid Bible-believing believers. And they kind of all unanimously agree, no, we don't feel like we have peace. Because the reality of it is, is sometimes we look to peace as something that's an emotion or something that's a feeling. But the reality is, is the peace that we're looking for is that peace that only Christ can provide. You know, it's interesting because as much as we desire to have peace with our families, as much as we desire to have peace in our workplaces, as much as we desire to have peace with our spouses and our neighbors, you know, God desires peace with his children. Did you know that God desires peace for us? In my prayer, I referred to God as a very unfair God. Because when you think about the context of a peace treaty... Because the reality is, listen, if you are not with God, you are at war with God. Does that make sense? It's, it's a hard truth, but it's a simple truth. If you are not following God, you are at war with God. And the reality of it is with sin entering in, all of us at one time are at war with God. And because of that brokenness and because of that war that we're in with God, God came to the peace treaty table and he said, I want peace with my people. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to offer my son as a sacrifice on the altar of peace. Because God desires for you to have a relationship that lacks disturbances. Isn't that interesting how that definition works into there? But God is so unfair because when you think about peace treaties and the wholety of history, no general, no commander-in-chief, no king has ever come to the table of a peace treaty and have the complete victory on their side and said, I will give you everything. But God, being an unfair God, did that very thing. Because on this Christmas night, when Jesus came to earth, God went to the peace treaty of the war between man and God, and he said, I want peace, and here's what I'm going to do. We're not deserved of that kind of peace. We're not deserved of that kind of love. And It was in that moment that God sent Jesus to earth to be the Jesus of Easter. God is a very unfair God, but he desires peace with his people. And so when we find ourselves in Luke 2 this morning, we find ourselves kind of in this awesome moment of this whole beginning of this peace story. Let me set this up for you a little bit. There's Mary and Joseph. We all know their story. Angels appear to them and say, you will give birth to the Christ child. And there's a census being taken, so Mary and Joseph, they make their way to Bethlehem. And while they're there, Mary decides it's time to have the baby, right? Because that's how it works, ladies, right? You just decide when you want to have that child. Jesus decides it is time, and Mary gives birth to a baby in a manger. Now, when we think about the manger, we often think that it's it's amazing because Christ was born in these lowly circumstances. But did you know that manger serves a significant symbol um, later in our story? We'll get to that. So Jesus is born. He's wrapped in the, the cloths and laid in the manger. Meanwhile, out on the ranch, there's shepherds out in the field. And if you didn't know this, I shared this last week in my sermon in Wilson Hall, that shepherds were actually looked at by the society of the time as a very motley crew. They weren't necessarily welcomed into the neighborhood. In fact, most shepherds, when they tended to their flocks, they were way far away from the city. The shepherd was dirty. The shepherds were known. They were stereotyped as being thieves, as being untrustworthy. They were stereotyped of being smelly and drunkards. And they were basically the lowliest of society. They were rejects. And they weren't welcome in the places that were holy, believe that or not. And so you've got these shepherds out in the field. And God decides that he is going to include them in this awesome story. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 2 right now. And we're going to go ahead and start in uh, verse 8. Jesus is born at this time. And we read this last week, but we're going to read it again because it is just that good. It says this in 2.8, That there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord showed around them. Did you know the fact that it says the, the, they were out nearby in the field? That actually tells you something about who these shepherds probably were. Because remember I told you about the rejected nature of the shepherds. If there were shepherds nearby the town, that meant that they were actually the shepherds keeping watch over the temple sheep. The sheep specifically designated to be sacrificed. And so that's just a side little note for you that's interesting, that they were actually near the town. And so God chose to use them in this story. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy that will be to for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Now I want you to imagine you're, you're one of these guys and, and the terminology of the Christ the Lord, that is a familiar terminology with all the Hebrew people. They know that they're expecting Elijah to come back one day. They're expecting a savior. They have this mindset that God is going to send heaven's a, uh, armies and, and they're going to come down and they're going to smite the Roman Empire and that, that they're going to be liberated by their savior. This is going to be a political victory that is going to be won with the blood and sword. Never in a million years did they ever think that God would show up to them in the most vulnerable forms, the form of a baby. God loves incredible stories. And here it says this, that Christ the Lord has been born this very evening. It says this in verse 12, that this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying In a manger. And I love this part of the story because I think of my kids. I don't know about you, I'm one of the worst gift givers in the world. Not because of the gifts I give, but because when I get a gift, I'll order it online and it'll come in the mail. I can't wait till Christmas to give it to somebody. I just kind of give it and say, That's your Christmas present. Anybody else like that? Like you just get so excited about something, you can't contain it, and you just kind of burst. Or you ever have one of those moments when you're maybe watching a football game, or there's just something going on in your life, and you're so excited that you know you shouldn't scream out, you know you shouldn't applaud or roar, and you just can't help it. It's like your bones jump out of you, right? You've had those moments? I love this passage because it, it tells us that even the heavenly beings can't escape this. Because the moment that Jesus the Christ is mentioned by the angel, it says this in verse 13. It says suddenly a great... And I want you to paint a picture of this in your mind. Remembering that when Mary was pregnant... Just a little bit ago, she went and visited her cousin and and was talking to her who had John the Baptist. And and when the baby in in his mother's womb heard the name Jesus, heard Mary's voice, it says that that baby inside of its mother leapt for joy. So at the name Jesus, there's excitement and there's joy. And don't tell me those babies aren't alive inside the mother's womb. That's a different sermon. Sorry. And it says this suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God, saying, do you realize the heavenly hosts? It's like an army of angels, basically, appearing around this angel at the mention of the name Jesus, and they start singing at the top of their lungs Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. The angels are excited about what's happening heavenly beings are excited about what's going on. So much so that they're kind of standing there peeking over the shoulder of this angel watching as he talks to the shepherd and they just can't hold it back anymore and they burst into song. Shouldn't we be that excited about our Christ? We should be. The heavenly beings erupt and sing praises to God. And not only do they do that, they sing glory to God on the highest, but they reveal a biblical truth that is very hard to grasp because it's so simple. On earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. All too often, we try to find ways in our life to bring peace We try to get self-help books or we look into different areas or we buy things or we just work harder. And the reality of it is, is none of those things will ever bring us peace like recognizing that we must surrender to the call of Christ. I want to tell you this, God loves you as much as he's ever going to love you, and I repeat this a lot, and I repeat this for a reason, because you cannot work your way into heaven. God loves you as much now as he ever will. You cannot work your way into heaven, and this scripture passage is very clear that God will put his favor on those he chooses. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you are blessed enough to have God put a stirring in your heart that leaves your eyes to Jesus, you should follow it. Because the only way that you're going to experience peace in your life, true peace, the peace of knowing that you have a God that will take care of you, of knowing that you have an eternal place in heaven, the only way you will ever get peace, genuine peace in your life is by pursuing Christ by finding Jesus as the shepherds did. Angel the Lord appeared to the shepherds and said, go and see the Savior. Just as God is speaking to our hearts, saying, come see my son. And when we surrender ourselves to that, that is when we can experience peace. Because the peace that the angels are singing about is not the peace of no wars. It's not the peace of some, some self-help thing that we try to do for ourselves. But it is only the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ pouring out his blood for us. That is peace. That is why we can have peace in our life. When you think about the definition of peace... What's really being stated here is by offering his son Jesus as a living sacrifice, as a sacrifice, he's offering him for us at this peace treaty table because God desires to have a relationship with us that is free of disturbances. Does that make sense? God wants a relationship with you where stuff is not in the way. He wants to have a relationship where he can be with you, where there doesn't no longer need to be any type of mediator. Christ is that. Christ is that sacrifice. He is that atonement. He is that that, that, that just beautiful blood that pays our ransom, as we sung about earlier. And if we want to find peace in our lives, we need to surrender to that. But the reality of it is, is, Sometimes life will happen. And as much as we will trust in God, we are at war with our human nature. God is at war with sin. And because of that, and because we're human, because we're broken, there's going to be moments where we as people have sin creep in, right? Where we wish we could say that we were always at peace with God, that we were always trusting in God. But when life happens, it can disturb our peace. Amen? When you think about the Christmas season, I think about these five things that kind of creep in for me and, and steal my joy. I don't know about you, but the Christmas season holds such a busy schedule of traveling around, of shopping, and doing all these things that if we're not careful, we, became, we can become so like, preoccupied and worried about celebrating the holiday of Christmas that we actually forget to celebrate the holiday of Christmas. We get so preoccupied with the gifts and volunteering and doing goodwill and hear me, those things aren't necessarily evil (laughs) but we forget the focus on Jesus kind of in the same way that Martha when Jesus was at her house teaching was too worried about making sure the stuff was taken care of. Martha was so preoccupied with making sure the table settings were right and the turkey was cooked right. I preached about this a while ago. But Jesus was in her house. Mary knew to stop and to pay attention. Are you so busy this holiday season that you're missing the fact that Jesus is in your house? Are you so preoccupied with good things that you're missing Christ in your chair? So we get fatigued. That's one of our disturbers of joy. Another disturber of joy, especially at the Christmas time, is finances. Because all of us go out and we buy gifts for one another. And again, as I said earlier, we sometimes buy these obligation gifts and and it's really just a burden. And the Bible kind of preaches against that, doesn't it? It says if you can't give out of a joyful heart, you shouldn't give. But yet here we find ourselves every year desiring to have peace with God, but we're picking up these things and we're worrying about our finances. God tells us in his scriptures that we should not worry, that we should cast our cares upon him because the peace that he has to offer us is a peace that passes all understanding. And so we, we get tired, we get fatigued, we worry about our finances, and we lose focus Crazy Uncle Eddie then shows up, and we start worrying about our family. Let's be honest, Christmas for a lot of us isn't necessarily the joyous time that it is for a lot of people because in a lot of our families, we have turmoil, we have fighting, we have hurt. Or perhaps we're going to Mama and Pop-Pop's house this year for the first time when Pop-Pop won't be there. And sometimes our families can be a disturbance of the peace. Sometimes our families can be something that bring us a burden. But did you know that God desires for us to be unified as a body of believers? Did you know that? That God desires us to not have disturbances with one another, which is the definition of peace. He desires for us as families to make amends with each other. He desires for us to be at peace with the people in our workplace. He desires for us to have peace with one another at church. Did you know that's why we do pass the peace every week? Passing of the peace is a moment that we set aside in our services for us as believers to go to one another and to say to one another, I have wronged you, I have hurt you, and as we continue to worship, I want to make things right and I want to apologize to you. So may the peace of the Lord be with you. This practice began before communion, back in the early days of the church, as a way to settle the debts so that we weren't squabbling and we were unified in the church. So, when someone says, The peace of the Lord be with you, they're talking about taking away the disturbances that maybe Barry and I have had a fight or something, and we need to lay that aside because we don't want to have disturbances between us and God. And that's why we as a church pass the peace every week. That's why the church has passed the peace to take away those disturbances. Because God is a God of unity, a God of reconciliation. And when it comes to our families, he desires us to make peace with crazy Uncle Eddie. He desires us to forgive. And I know that there's some serious things, and some of you have been really hurt by your families, but when you think of the grand scheme of the cross and all of the sins of the world coming upon the back of Christ, the things that we're dealing with, they can be healed. Somebody just has to be the first one to say sorry. Somebody has to be the first one to offer forgiveness. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, that Christ demands that of us. He demands us to be people who seek for peace. All of our circumstances are different and unique. He doesn't call us to be suckers, but he desires for our families to be at peace. We also have fears. We become afraid a lot during the Christmas season. We're not sure if we're going to have enough money to pay our bills or whether we're going to be able to get home for Christmas or maybe our health has gone awry or we're sick. The reality of it is is we allow fear to come in and we succumb to addictions and habitual sins. And fear can really disturb our peace, can't it? Fear of going to the family, and you, so you just don't go because you're afraid of what they may say about you. Fear is a crippling thing. Christ does not want us to be afraid. Also during this time of Christmas, we can have a disturber of the peace in our very own faith. Maybe you're in one of these moments of your life where you're just not even sure about God. You've heard all the Bible stories, you've seen all these things, but there's just something in you and maybe it's because you're sick or maybe it's because some hurt has happened to you, but maybe your faith is waning at this time and you just need something. And here we are in Christmas, one of the holiest times of the year, and you're having trouble even focusing on whether you believe in God or not. Well, I'm here to tell you that regardless of which five of those areas you may have as a disturber of the peace, God desires to remove those from our lives. He desires to remove those disturbances. And instead of being fatigued or tired, God wants us to find our strength in the Lord. As it says in Psalm 29, 11, the Lord gives his people strength and the Lord blesses with peace. Instead of being worried about our finances, God desires for us to rely on him. And as we spent the last four weeks talking and in-gathering, that God will bless the cheerful giver. You have to rely on him for provision. And that may be scary sometimes, but God will provide. Instead of having frustrations with our family, we need to seek reconciliation and forgiveness. Instead of succumbing to our fears, we need to do what Philippians 4, 6, 9 says and cast our cares on him and know that he will care for us. And finally, when we think about our faith, the ultimate gift of Christmas is Christ. And you may be struggling in your faith right now, but you need to know that Jesus willingly went to the cross for you. And I don't know what is going on in your life. But God loves you so much that he was willing to give up his son. That he laid down his life for you. That Jesus spread out his arms on the cross of Easter and he bled out. So that you could forever dwell with him in eternity. If you're struggling to find peace, and I don't care what area of life it is, turn to Christ. Because the reason that he came was to bring peace. If you're struggling with peace in your life, I want to encourage you to read the story of Jesus during this Christmas season. And I promise you, as you read the entire story, from birth to the cross, to the resurrection, to the coming back, to the end of the book where it says we win, I promise you, if you turn to the Lord... Jesus will bring you peace and he will fill that void, that empty feeling that you have in your life. God is good. He is very good. I just want to close with this. May the peace of the Lord be with you. Father God, we love you and we thank you. We pray Jesus in this time of Christmas That we would slow down and think about all that took place. The way that you used the shepherds, these rejects of society, to be a confirming moment that Jesus is, in fact, who he said to be. We pray, God, that in our lives you will help us to turn to you and to turn to your son to find peace. Because that is true peace. We thank you that you chose us, Lord you seek us out. Help us to remove these disturbances. Remove these disturbances from our lives, God, so that we can focus on you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.